Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, let's do this, guys. Let's start out just a little bit different, okay? Let's, let's go ahead and read um, all of chapter 4. We're going to read together, so get in your Bibles there. I'm not sure if Josh has it up there, but if he does, you can look it up there. But not. we're going to read together. We're going to start in verse 2. You guys with me? And then we'll come back and break it down. John writes, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat on the throne was like jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne, 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, around the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was that like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature was like the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest, neither day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creature gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and lives forever and forever and ever, and 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne to worship him, who lives forever and ever, cast their crowns before him, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Wow. You talk about a trippy dream. Wow. Some of the dreams we have, we're like, well, you go, Ben, that wasn't a dream. No, it wasn't a dream. This is what he actually saw. But I've had some weird dreams where I'm like, what? What's, what's going on, right? I've had dreams where the hamburger's eating me. No, I'm just kidding. That's just a joke. It's just a joke. But you know what I'm saying. Listen to what he just said. This is crazy. But I love it. Let's break it down. Okay? So so I read this, and I thought, you know what? Listen, I, I read about a new hotel being advertised in Seattle, Washington. And the hotel slogan, and here's the ad, and here's how it went. It said, it said great location, great views, great rates. See, those are the things, guys, that people really want to look for. Whether it's a, a vacation spot or, or it's a new home. That's really what we look for in a new home, right? We, we go, man, what are we looking for? We, 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 we want in a new home. We want a nice location. Okay. We, we definitely want to, but we still want to be convenient for all they want. A nice view if possible. And also great rates. You guys know this, right? If you have cable, you'll sit there and you'll land on the HD network and it's always, you know, okay, show me three homes. Oh, look at the view. And you're just like, I can't even afford. Anyways, but that's what I'm talking about. And this is what it is. And, 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 but we, we, we gotta be able to afford it, right? And it's funny how some of these people on HGTV, it's funny how some of these people 
right there. Well, our, our budget is a million dollars. Well, what do you do for a living? Well, I sack groceries. You know, I was like, how do you afford a million dollar budget on a, gro-? but anyways, I digress. I'm, I'm, let me come back to what we're talking about. Okay. I want to enlighten you and, and, and have a description really of what our eternal home will be like for just a moment. Because on earth, yes, we look for great locations, uh, great rates, nice views, real comfort. But think about heaven for a second, right? Why? Because the first thing in our list is a great location. Guys, you can't beat it. It's going to be amazing. Think about heaven for just a moment. Streets of gold. I mean, just perfect peace. That's where I want to spend eternity. You know what? Think about this. Think about the location for a second, right? You go, what do you mean? Well, think about this. Anytime you purchase a house or rent a house or even in a hotel room when you go somewhere, you're always concerned about your neighbors, aren't you? You always, you always are because you don't want to be next to uh, sketchy neighbors, right? So in heaven, guess what? The neighborhood's good. You don't have to worry about, about weirdo neighbors. We're going to have good neighbors. We're also going to have great views. Well, how so? Well, think about the throne of God. You're going to see that. You'll see the tree of life, streets of gold, sea of glass. What a great view that's going to be. What about great rates? Well, check this out, guys. It's free to all those who put their faith in God's Son. It's free. Now, Think about the food there. Santos was going, mmm, earlier, right, when we talked about, yeah, I, I get it, Santos, but, but listen, think about this. Think about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where you and I are going to be an honored guest. That's going to be amazing. Well, you Ben, Ben, wait a minute, wait, wait, listen, I'm going to go to heaven. It's going to be great locations, great rates. I mean, great food is going to be amazing, but quite honestly, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing to wear, but think about this. Guys, we do, because the Bible says you're going to be given a beautiful white garment to wear, brilliant and pure. God's doing that. Well, Ben, I got a question, okay? I love the location. I love the fact that we're going to be eating. It's going to be the marriage supper. And Mel, I love the fact that we're going to be able to see the throne room of God and we're going to see the tree of life. We're going to see, I mean, I love all of that, man. I love, I love the fact that, man, I've got this beautiful white robe of righteousness and pure, but I've got a question. What are we going to be doing in heaven? Russell, what are we going to be doing in heaven? That's a good question, right? Now, here's the thing. There's where some people just floor me. Okay, because they think, oh, I don't want to go to heaven. Heaven is going to be just sitting around on clouds, eating marshmallows, playing harps. That's what we're going to do. Because that's how we made a picture, right? It's just like, there we are. There we are. Um, but see, there's going to be a lot of things to do in heaven. There's going to be a lot of things to do. You go well, like, what? Well, first of all, I think like hanging out with Moses. You know, hanging out with David. Talking to Elijah, maybe, maybe, you know, kicking it with Paul just a little bit. Hey, w- w- tell me a little bit. How, what was the road to Damascus? Like, listen, Paul, I, I remember when I got saved, I came forward in a church. I said yes to Jesus. It was so cool. But I didn't see no bright light. Tell me about that. Oh, dude, I got to tell you, it was so amazing. So I was going to persecute the church. 
You know, and I'm going down, and I have my posse behind me, and next thing you know, man, God literally knocks me off my high horse. I don't know if Paul had a horse, so don't write me a letter, okay? But he's nonetheless, he's on the ground, and he says, man, you, you wouldn't believe it. And I heard his voice, and my heart was instantly changed. But dude, you were blind for a while. Yeah, I was blind for a while. It kind of freaked me out, and I was like, am I ever going to see again? This is gonna, how am I going to do the ministry if I can't see? And then God restored that. That was so cool. You get to hang out with him just a little bit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hanging out with David and thinking, hey, Dave, Dave, what was it like to, ro- to fight the Philistines, right? What was it like to, to, I mean, you were running from, Dave, what was that whole stint there about you acting crazy there at the Philistines? You're, you know, with, with spit running down your beard, dude, seriously? Listen, I lived in 20, 2021. I didn't act crazy. Well, of course I did sometimes, but not, not like you, Dave. And you have this great conversation. That's going to be cool. That's going to be super cool. Well, the women, I think the women, man, they, they can probably have brunch, right? They can have brunch with Deborah or Esther or Mary. And of course, Martha will serve. But best of all, best of all, guys, we get to see Jesus. See, heaven isn't heaven without Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand we've had loved ones that are passed, and we want to see them, amen? We, we want to go, and, and I can't wait to see all, all, all the people that I love that have gone before. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great family reunion. It's going to be amazing. But you know who I want to see? I want to see the one who died for me. I want to see, I want to see Jesus. Because if I see Jesus and I know Jesus, heaven is, is, is going to be a grand place. Heaven is never, we're never going to be bored. Okay, think about eternity. You're never going to go, what's the matter? What's the matter, Mike? I'm bored. Nothing to do here. See, those of you watching online, you're laughing. I know. I know. Um, We won't be disappointed. And listen to me. We'll never be looking back, Santos. We'll never be going, oh, man. I just missed the tamales down there, man. I just want to go back for, we'll never miss that. We'll never miss that. But can I share something with you that really bums me out? You go, what's that? There are some people that really don't want to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, Ted Turner, in an interview with the National Press Club, said, and I quote, Heaven is perfect. Who wants to go to a place that's perfect? That'll be boring. Where we're going, we'll all have an opportunity to make the same things better because hell is supposed to be a mess, end quote. Listen, listen, hell is real. As a matter of fact, Jesus, if you don't know this, talked more about hell and warned everyone that it's real. And the problem is, is that some people just choose just to go there. You go, Ben, what do you, what do you mean they, they, they choose to go there? Well, guys, here's the thing. Heaven is a choice. It's a choice. You see, God is never going to force himself on you. He makes a path, but listen to me, the choice is up to you. How many times does the Lord stand with his arms wide open inviting you into his presence? inviting you into his family, and that's 
That has to be our choice. And you go, oh, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop right there and time out. Hold the phone. I don't choose. But listen, when you say I don't choose or I, I won't choose, you've already made a choice. For you not to choose is really a choice. And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, our path is clear. The future is bright, guys. The future is bright. Listen to me. Life can be hard. Life can be stressful. Life can be overwhelming at times. Life can be depressing. But with Jesus, guys, your future is bright. We just have to hold on. You just have to stay the course. So with that as an intro, let's take a sneak peek into heaven and see what's going on. You guys ready? Picking it up in verse 2, John writes, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Your attention, please. Remember last week we talked about the rapture. We talked about where he said, come up here. Come up here. And we, we talked all about how we gave, I gave you seven points, but something so cool that happened to me yesterday. I have been praying for my brothers, okay, my brothers, my older brothers. You know, they were always intimidating to me because they were, they were eight years older and, and they're twins and they were always intimidating me. And I would always, when I got saved, I always, always try to witness to them. I'd always try to witness and share. And sometimes it was, it was a struggle because I was the little, I was the baby of the family. I was the little one. Well, I've always been praying for my brothers to come to know Jesus. And uh, yesterday I was talking to my brother and, and he says, hey, uh, in Denver, we're about to get a huge snowstorm and we were talking and so forth. And then, and then we got to talking just a little bit on politics and, and, and just what's going on in the world and how gas prices, all of that stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Now, this is my brother. Okay, this is my brother. And, uh, and uh, I said, you know, we got to talk about a cousin who had passed away. Um, seven years ago, we didn't know. We were talking about her, and and uh, and I said, you know, you know, we're all we're all going to die one day. And I'm trying to push, you know, hey, we're all going to die. And he goes, no, you know what? Not if we're Harpazo. I said, what? He goes, not if we're Harpazo, right? And he was listening to my messages, and 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 he's getting it. And I was just so excited that he's getting it. That's exactly right. We talked about Harpazo to be snatched away. And, and I tell you that story because it, it made my night. But here's the thing. There's people, Rosa, that you're praying for. There's people that you're praying for that you know need Jesus. Keep praying. They're going to come. They're going to come. I'm telling you. There's people all around here. Oh, I wish my, I wish my brother was saved. I wish my in-laws were saved. I wish my mom and dad were saved. I wish so. Keep on praying. Guys, keep on. Because slowly God's spirit is moving. It's going to happen. I'm going to hold on to the, where the word says, man, listen, get saved, man. You and all your household, be saved. They're going to be saved, but they got to see that in you. they got to see that in you. So immediately, he says, I'm up and I'm, I'm in the spirit, man. I'm in heaven. And he says, and I, behold, the first thing I saw, I saw a throne. Do you guys see that? Look at your Bibles. He said, I saw a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. If you have a pencil handy, guys, you can circle that word for throne. And it's the, in the Greek, here's what it means. It's a stately seat. Okay? By implication, it has power. 
It's the seat. I mean, this is like this is like consequently, it's the potentate. It's the throne. It's God. See, throne is used 12 times in chapter 4. So the first thing we see in heaven is a throne. Is a throne. But where is it located? In heaven. You just said that. See, here's the thing. When the Bible speaks of heaven, it uses the word in one of three ways. Okay? We gotta, let me, let me break this down. We gotta do some work. Okay? Because if I said, Sarah, hey, Sarah, let, let's talk about heaven. Her upbringing, she goes, well, there's the, wait, what are we talking about heavens here? Let's, let's talk about heaven. Okay, okay, good. Sarah, you're so smart. Thank you for asking that question. Number one, we see the terrestrial heavens. You can jot that down. Terrestrial heavens. You go, what does that mean? That speaks of atmosphere, guys. That's where the rain comes down from heaven. The birds are in the heavens. This is speaking of the terrestrial. When you say uh, the heavens, you could use them as where the birds fly in, all of that. That's heavens, right? The sky. Oh, look at you. Oh, isn't God made? And the heavens declare your glory, right? What do we see? We see the sky. We see, we see a beautiful sunset. We see all of this stuff. So that's terrestrial heavens. Okay? The second one that we would see, guys, is known as the celestial heavens. The celestial heavens. Okay? And that's where we see the sun and the moon and the stars and the space. Okay? That's what we know as the final frontier. To boldly go where no man has ever gone. Any Trekkies in here? Just wondering. Okay? That's, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But it really is. Okay? But see, space is not the final frontier. That's the heavens. So, so you can say, I'm looking at the heavens, or you can say, man, think about the, the cosmos, man. Think about the stars. Think about that. That could be heaven. But that's not where Jesus dwells. Listen, when I die, I don't want to just hang out in the clouds. You know, jumping from one cloud to another. Oh, what do we do today? I don't want to be, I don't want to be floating around the universe. You know what I want to be? I want to be heaven right here, the third heaven. And you'll hear that in the Bible, guys. And I was lifted up to the third heaven. Okay? And that here is above the atmosphere and the stratosphere. And heaven is where God dwells. That's where I want to go. You see, when we talk about heaven, we talk about God's dwelling place. The throne is the central part because God is on it. God is on it. Heaven is heaven because God is there. And we finally see him in person. And we can never completely be satisfied with our worship here on earth. It's only meant to whet our appetites before we, be, before we are transported into the presence of God. So when we walk in and we say, hey, let's worship, yeah, there's some songs, there's some musics, we have drums, we have the bass, it's, we, we have some words on the screen, and we call that worship. But really, think about what worship is in heaven. I mean, first of all, we see, we see a throne, right? And so, and so the worship is just to whet our appetite, whet our appetite. So who... Who's on the throne? Alex, who's on the throne? Well, let's take a look. Okay? He says, the one who sat on the throne. That's the one. Okay? The one who sat on the throne 
as a king, as a governor, as a judge. Here he's described as the almighty father in heaven, his majesty, his glory, his dominion. This is who God is. This is who God is. And the word continues to describe him. So this is God. You ready? Look at verse 3. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Okay, so John is describing all of these things. He goes, okay, I'm going to use Liam. Dude, seriously, I, it was just, I saw the throne and it was like, wow. And, and he says, and, and, and the one who is on the throne, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. It's like, it was like, you could, you could just feel the love. You could feel the power. John, this is John. Of course, I'm, 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 here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, listen, and, 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 and the one who sat there, he was like a jasper. And, 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 and not only that, he was like a sardis in appearance. And dude, behind the throne was this, this, this rainbow that was encircled. There was just this rainbow around the throne. And his appearance was like an emerald. Now, to you and I, okay, to you and I, we go, oh, cool. That, that must have been, I, I can't imagine. That's Jasper, that's, that's cool. Listen, listen, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. So listen, four things we can grasp, okay? You go, what? Think about this. He says, God is like, his appearance was like a Jasper, okay? You can jot that down, Jasper. Why? Because it's a brilliant, clear-cut diamond-like stone. That's a Jasper. He says, and, and he also looked like a sardis. And the sardis had a reddish hue like a ruby. You guys with me? Okay? So he sees this. He goes, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He said, I saw Jasper. That was like clear-cut diamond. That was pure. That was clear. That was, and he said, and the sardis was just like red. It had just like this ruby. It's just this reddish color. Now, again, to you and I, we go, Cool. But in observation, think about this. The white, the purity, and the red may be to remind all the inhabitants of heaven the blood that was shed on the cross. The precious stones, guys, they also seem to have a meaning. You go, what do you mean? Okay, so he sees this. He goes, okay, so we know this is what happens. We're washed in the blood, and then we become white as snow. This is who we are. This is why we got to do the happy dance, because we're saved, and, and, we're, and, we're, and we're, we're, we're righteous before him. Yeah, but I know what you did. Yeah, but I'm saved. God sees it. Amen. 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 But see, but see, it, it gets it, it gets even deeper. It gets even deeper. Why? Because according to the Old Testament, stones had a relationship uh, to the tribes of Israel. Okay, each tribe of Israel was representative rep- by a stone. Each each tribe was had a, had a representative stone. You go. What do you mean? The high priest, guys, when um, when he had his the garment on, he had a stone representing each of the twelve tribes. So if he put on the breastplate, he would have the stones right in front of the breastplate, right here. 
Okay, every stone, 12 stones. You guys with me? You go, yeah. You go, okay, so what was that for? Well, it symbolized the fact that he was the high priest over representing all the 12, sto- all the 12 tribes before God. That's what it meant, right? You go, well, okay, that's cool. That's good to know. But what was the, what's the significance of the jet? Was the, was the jasper and the sardis just the, 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 the white and the red to remind us of the blood and the purity? No, think about this. The significance of the jasper and the star and the sardis, the jasper, guys, was the first stone and the sardis was the last stone. You go, what does that mean? You see, the jasper represented the tribe of Reuben. First of all the tribes, Reuben was the firstborn. The sardis represented Benjamin, the youngest of the 12 sons of Jacob. What does that mean? What the Lord is saying is that, here it is, he was representing, he is representative of the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and everything in between. You're like, So, what else? Well, let's break it down a little bit more. Reuben is the first. He is the jasper. You go, okay, what does that mean? Do you know his name? It means behold the sun. That's what Reuben means. Behold the sun. Ben, what does Benjamin mean? Son of my right hand. Son of my right hand. So when he sees this, think about it. Like Reuben, Christ is the first begotten son. Second, like Benjamin, Christ is also son of my right hand in relation to God the Father. Did you see that? Well, I think man wrote the Bible. I don't think you can, I mean, think about this. He says, I saw, he could have named, I saw Jasper, I saw Asardis, and it just, it resonated with all of that. And you and I get to study this and go, Wow. Wow. This is amazing. This is amazing. That blew my mind. So he is what? He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, everything in between. And not only that, if that wasn't enough, what does he say? He says, oh, by the way, I saw a rainbow around the throne. Now, you guys got to remember, that was a reminder of God's promise to Noah, never to flood the earth again. So he's like, wow. What does that mean to us? Can I just give you this little nugget of truth? God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Guys, you got to hold on to those. You got to hold on to those. Well, what should I do, Ben? And go find all the promises in the Bible and hold on to those. Hold on to those. Now, be careful. Be careful, okay? Let me just give you a public service announcement. Be careful that we don't take Scripture and make them promises, and then we, we get upset when they don't come true. For example, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Okay? Train up a child in the way he should go. A lot of people claim that as a promise of God. That's not a promise. That's a proverb. But he says, listen, what happens? We need to train up our children in the way they should go. Because... The implication is that's that's not the way they want to go. You know what I'm talking about, Alex? Yeah, they 
This is how you should go. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the way you should. Let me teach you how you should go because a lot of times you're not going to want to go that way. But it's not a promise. It's something that we need to do. And when they're old, they won't depart from that because they're going to remember mom and dad showed me the way I should go. I chose a different path, but eventually I'm going to come back at the way I should go. But when it comes to God's promises, they're true. And we need to hold on to those. You know what's a promise of God? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you. So you're never alone. He's always with you. He's amazing. You can talk to him any time, any night or day you can talk to him. You wake up at 2 in the morning and go, I can't sleep. Talk to God. He's right there. Yeah, but see, God's busy. Rosa, God's not busy. He's listening to you. And then he says, but, and, and not only that, there's, there's an appearance. Um, there's, an, there's an appearance like an emerald. Like an emerald. Pretty cool picture, guys, of the throne. This is God. So let me, let me, let me, let's, let's do something real quick, okay? Those of you watching online and you guys here. In your mind, real quick, you don't have to share, but what did, he, what did you think heaven was like? What did you think heaven would be like, right? You, you kind of go, well, I know, I don't know. I just thought it'd be up there and God would be there. And, and I saw pictures and they're like real green valleys, you know, lots of flowers and a bright light. And then I'd see some family and friends. Guys, think about what John just said. He just gave us a description. As a matter of fact, when Paul was caught up to the third heaven, he's like, um, I saw things I couldn't even talk about. It blew my mind. So, so here's the thing. Okay, so what are we going to see? We're going to see God. We're going to see God like we've never seen him before. It's going to be amazing. But then he says, but, but there's some stuff going around the throne. Around the throne. Look at verse 4. Around the throne sat 24 thrones. On the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. So he says, now, listen, I saw the throne. He says, but around it, around it. See, what's he trying to get at? In the Old Testament, guys, there were 24 courses of priests who served in the temple in Jerusalem. And they represented the entire of the entire nation of Israel before God. These were the 24 priests. Okay? So when he goes, oh, by the way, I saw 24 thrones. What's he saying? He's here, the reference of the 24 elders clothed in white robes and crowns refers to Israel and the church that has been harpazoed. He's saying, this is what I saw. It encompasses all of us. All of us. Now remember, it's, it's not every, because there's still people on earth. And there's still people that are going to get saved during the tribulation. The only difference now is you go, Lord, I, I believe and I'm going to follow you. And, and he plants that seed in your, in your heart. But in the tribulation, you're going to literally have to die for your faith. You're never going to have to be more bold than in the tribulation. But up there, he's saying, it represents Israel and the church before God. Before God. That's what's around the throne. 
unless we study the Old Okay, so let me just give you a side note. There are a lot of people who go, well, we don't study the Old Testament. That's just Old Pre-Covenant. We don't study that. We're New Testament. Listen, if we don't understand the Old Testament, we're not going to really grasp fully the New Testament because that's exactly what the temple priest represented. So John sees it and says, oh, I get it. I get it. But something's coming from the throne. Okay, we see what's on the throne, we see what's around the throne, but check it out. There's something coming from the throne. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now again, think about what he saw. This incredible light show, thunder, you know, probably thunder that would just, I mean, just, he says, he says, this is incredible. You go, well, why, what is that about? Well, if you have a pencil handy, guys, the lightnings, thunders, and voices are a preview of what's to come in judgment. In judgment. You go, what do you mean? See, the Old Testament mentions the first time we read about thunder, lightning, and voices, it's in the book of Exodus. Guess where? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Okay? This is where it is. And there was judgment. It was so amazing that the people were so scared. They're like, Moses, you talk to God. We're not a, we're not. And then the Lord even said, dude, don't even, don't even let the children, don't even let the cab, don't let your dog come close to the, to, to the mountain. There's a holy God. You're like, wow. In the book of Revelation, guys, there are going to be four different occasions in this book that we're going to read about lightning thunders and voices. The first time is the one we see here. He's giving us a preview. But jot this down. Revelation 8.5, we're going to talk about it. Revelation 11.19, we're going to talk about it. And then Revelation 16.18, we're going to talk about it. But notice, every time we hear um, uh, lightning, thundering, and voices, they're all going to come from the throne of God. If you're ambitious, tonight when you get home, look up these verses and just see. Just see. Revelation 8.5, Revelation 11.19, and Revelation 16.18. Just for your own study, you go, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. From the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. But then he says this again. He says, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Now, again, we talked about that earlier back in Revelation 1-4. But we see over in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, he actually gives us a description of the seven spirits of God. Isaiah 11-2 says this, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of fear of the Lord. He says, man, think about it. This this is exactly he's going to see, the seven spirits. And we know who they are. It's the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he'll have the spirit of wisdom. He'll have the spirit of understanding. This is everything the Lord possessed when he came to earth. He had the spirit of counsel. He had the spirit of might. He had the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So we see, guys, that was from the throne. 
But what was before the throne? Guys, in your mind, picture the throne. Okay? He says, before the throne, there was a sea of glass. Look at verse 6. Like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and the back. Now, if this was a dream, this is where you go, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, right? Because, I mean, this is like, this is heavy-duty description. What did he say? He said, listen, okay, so I saw, I saw a sea of glass. Cool. It was crystal clear. Amazing. He says, but in the midst of the throne, he says, around the throne, he said, there were like four living creatures. And they had eyes in the front and the back. So there's eyes everywhere. And John's going, I've, I've been on the island of Patmos too much. This has been too long. I'm just, I'm losing it, man. And he says, this is, but, but no, 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 no. That's not what he says because, because he says, he says before the throne, in the middle of the throne, around the throne, you had these creatures. And there were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and the back. So how do we figure this out? It's really simple. We'll let Scripture interpret Scripture. Over in in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15, here's what Ezekiel says. He clearly identifies these creatures as the cherubim. And in the descriptions of their tabernacle picture is, is a heavenly scene. The Lord is described as dwelling between the cherubim those were above the ark and their wings were stretched out. So if you had the ark of the covenant, guys, remember, you had one and it was a cherubim, looked like an angel, and the wings were stretched this way. And the other one, the wings were stretched this way. Okay? I have a little replica in my office. You can see if you want to see it. It's amazing. But this is what Ezekiel says. This is what it is. Now, there has been much speculation concerning the identity of these, of these living ones and the, the significance of their presence in their ministry in heaven. I was like, what's it about? Now, the best possible interpretation is just like the Holy Spirit is represented by the seven spirits. So the attributes of God are actually, in general, are represented by these four living creatures. Okay, let's break it down. You guys ready? First of all, there's eyes in the front and in the back. There's eyes everywhere, okay? Now, that's significant. Why? Because what it does, it represents to us the omniscient and omnipresence of God. First of all, who is all-seeing and all-knowing. He has eyes everywhere. Now, for you and I, that's really, really good news because God is with me everywhere I go. And he sees everything I see. And then for some of us, that's really, really bad news. Because God is with me everywhere I go. And he sees everything. But that's what he means. He says, listen, God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Omnipresent. So what are these creatures? Well, let's, let's break them down. The first living creature was like a lion. You guys see that? The second living creature was a calf. The third was, was a living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was that, like a flying eagle. So he, he, he sees this. He's like, okay, dude, wow. The first one, the dude, it looked like a lion. The second one looked like a calf. The third one looked, had a face of a man. And then the fourth one was an eagle. What is this all about? 
Well, from John's vantage point, guys, the first creature was that of a lion, the second was a calf, the third was a face of a man, and the fourth was a flying eagle. Now, let's just be honest. To you and I, we go, wow, that's trippy. But, but think about this. Since the days, the, the, the early days of church history, Irenaeus and, and others, other church fathers recognized, guys, that these four faces of the cherubim, they actually correspond, watch this, to the four gospels. You go, no. Yeah, jot this down, okay? This is going to blow your mind. Matthew's gospel represents or presents Jesus as king, but he's often typified as a lion. That's what Matthew. You go, what? Mark presents Jesus as a servant. The ox or the calf often represents servitude. They're working. Luke, guys, describes Jesus in his humanity. Therefore, we see him having a face of a man. And, of course, John presents Jesus as the Son of God, pictured in the eagle. You're like, what? Exactly. Exactly. If you guys will look hard enough at everything in life, you'll see the gospel. You'll see the gospel. In some movies, I don't know if you've ever seen it. In some, okay, well, let's talk cartoons, okay, since we can't watch cartoons anymore. Every cartoon on Saturday morning growing up, I would often, it would, it would be um, good versus evil. There would always be somebody trying to Kill the world, and then you'd have a savior. That's what it would be. But I can tell that there are a lot of things, guys, that that, uh, that if you look hard enough, you can see the gospel. Even in movies. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie and said, man, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the gospel. That's the gospel. I was watching a movie ah, several years back, but it was Thor. Do you guys know Thor, who Thor is? And it was one of the whole thing about the hammer, and I'm going, that's the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit. Look, he's going to save the world. And that's, and I mean, it was just, and uh, I, I remember coming in and going, I, I saw a movie last night. It was, it was, it was okay. But I, I said, I noticed the gospel in it. And now all of you are thinking about what movie you've seen that, that is the gospel. But if we'll look hard enough, you go, Ben, what's your point? Here's the point. The point is, guys, is this is exactly what John sees. John says, listen, the gospels are written about Jesus. And that's what's before the throne. Notice verse 8 with me. The four living creatures having six wings were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest. What are they doing, guys? Night or day saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's what they're doing. You go, what does this mean? Guys, they have, John has just entered into an awesome scene of worship. Why? Because the four living creatures, the six wings full of eyes, all they're doing is saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
worship. Worship in heaven. There was, we used to sing that song, holy, 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 Lord God. It was so, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. So as we close, we have a couple more verses, but, but I want to show you this, okay? In verse 9, we're going to close. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sit on the throne, who lives forever and ever, he says, guess what? The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Now, here's what I want you to jot down. If you don't mind, verse 9, 10, and 11, that has to do with worship. That has to do with worship. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to realize there's John. John has just had this incredible worship experience in heaven. He sees the throne. He understands it. He, he pens it so you and I could understand it. Okay? So the first thing we grasp, guys, we grasp, here's what we grasp. We grasp that man couldn't write the Bible. It's inspired by God. The Bible says that, 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 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed all scripture. And that we go, amen. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we know that God, okay? So we know that God breathed all scripture. Okay, so then we see the throne. We see, wow, we see a Sardis. We see a Jasper. We see how all that ties in. We see all of this. And then John says, oh, by the way, but something's happening there. I can't explain. It's worship. It's worship. But here's what I want you to see. There's no music in this scene. There's no music. They're having an awesome time of worship, but worship isn't about music. Okay? Worship helps us. Music helps us to worship. But worship is far. You go, okay, well, we'll break it down, Ben. What, 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 what's, what, what's the deal? Okay. So the word worship here, guys, it means to fawn or crouch. For example, to fall prostrate in homage, uh, oneself in homage, to do reverence, to worship. That's what it means. That's what it means. Okay? And so what exactly is worship? Worship is falling at the feet of Jesus. And one of the things I want to leave you with, because I titled this message Worship in Heaven, but it's not about the 20 minutes that we have before the Bible study. It's more than that. Worship is who Jesus is in your life. Worship is time in prayer and supplication and adoration. Church, listen, when was the last time we just fell on our face and worshiped God? Just thanked him for who he was. Thanked him for saving us. Thanked him for being God. Thanked him for giving us food today. Just thanked him and worshiped him. When was the last time? That's worship. That's worship, guys. There are several ways that we can worship. But here, in verse 9... 
He's going to give us, he's going to go, he's going to zoom into three real, real simple. What's that? When we worship, the first thing we do is give glory to God. We give glory to God. I love that the elders take their crown and, and lay them at the feet of Jesus. I love that. Because there's no pride in heaven. Look what I did. Look what I built. Look at me. It's not. It's like, Lord, it's all you. He says, he says, it's you. It's you. It's you. The first thing we need to do is we need to give God the glory. The word glory there is doxa. It's in a wide application. Basically, guys, it means to honor, praise, and worship. That's what we need to do. To honor, it means, it means time is really, and it means to value, money paid, valuables, analogy, esteem, dignify, honor. That's what we need to do. That's what he says. So we're going to glory, honor, and you guess what we're going to do? We're going to give thanks. Eucharista, meaning gratitude. In verse 10, the 24 elders fell before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him. And whose lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, now the second thing we want to do, this is how we do worship, guys. We want to lay our lives down. It means to, to fall down. The idea is it's basically aligning to fall, to fail, to fall down and worship. What does worship mean? Again, to fawn, to crouch, to prostrate. What, is, what does it mean when he says, cast your crowns? The implication, guys, is humble in your successes and give it all back to God. Third, guys, we want to speak. Notice what they said in verse 11, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive honor. They're, they're saying, you are worthy. We speak. We speak. Listen, there's just something about saying it, right? Something coming from our heart and our lips as we speak. And worship. Okay, now remember, this is just a glimpse of what's going to happen in heaven. This is just a glimpse. We can worship any time of day. We don't need music. This is just going to help us. So here's what we're going to do, guys. In the next few minutes, we're just going to worship. We're just going to worship the Lord. We're going to put the lights down. We're going to, we're going to keep our, keep our um, live stream going because I want you watching online, get real, get real quiet and just worship. And that may be praying. That may be bowing down. This is just a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. You ready? Father, we thank you tonight for your great love for us. We thank you for, Lord, we just learned so much in just these short verses. But Lord, we want to take a moment right now just to worship you. We're just going to spend some time, God, in prayer. We're going to spend some time, Lord, just uh, just listening, just worshiping it with music. We're going to get alone by ourselves. Those of you watching online, if you just want to uh, lower the lights a little bit, maybe, and and uh, Lord, and then we just want to talk to you, God. We just want to thank you. And I don't know how this is going to go down. I didn't tell Talia we were going to do this or do that. We're just going to, we're just going to worship. We're just going to worship.
Father, we thank you tonight for who you are. We thank you for your great love. We thank you that one day we're going to see you in heaven. And we're going to, we're just, just going to blow our minds, God. Lord, help us to worship you, God, tonight. Help us to be quiet before you, Lord, to sing, to love you. Before we worship, I always want to give anyone watching or anyone here an opportunity to surrender their lives to God. Life is hard enough as it is, but to go through it alone, and you don't have to. And God knows you right now. He's followed you, and he's, he's knocking on your heart right now, and he's saying yes. All you have to do is open up your heart and say yes to Jesus. Say, Lord, come into my heart. I believe in you. I'm ready for a change. I need you, God. Save me, Lord. Save me. I believe you died on the cross for me, Lord. I believe the Gospels. I believe that you died and you resurrected. And I believe you're coming back soon. God, we love you. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.